welcome to another Dr. Sue Coach podcast. I'm joined again this week by my best friend, Pistol. How are we, mate? <laughs> Thanks for calling me your best friend, um, but I am doing pretty well. A good week could have been even better, though, if uh, Lloyd hadn't copped that head knock really early on. How about you, JB? Yeah, that was a complete nightmare, and we might as well jump straight into our week and how we went um, in Supercoach terms. So I scored 21.88. Mostly due to the fact that I didn't take Dangerfield's loophole um, accidentally. So I thought I'd be savvy and wait to see if there were any late outs in the Sydney match, which then led me to think, well, might as well not make my trade. So I didn't change my team. And then I was so focused on getting my trades right that I didn't actually loophole Dangerfield. And matters were made worse by the fact that my captaincy was still on Tom Mitchell. So I couldn't actually... Uh, correct my deadly error. So I missed out on 50-odd points there and fell in the rankings 51 places down to 185. So I would be top 120 if I had have um, not made the rookie error, but um, I found myself falling quite a bit. And you rose quite a bit, Pistol. <laughs> well, um, I try not to make any rookie errors, JB, but it was uh, nice to see that <laughs> I finally did overtake you, um, scoring 2-2-9-9, so one point shy off 2,300. Thank you, Lloyd, for uh, stopping me from doing that. But I did move up to 159th overall. So, um, yeah, both inside the top 200 is a pretty nice feeling, JB, and hopefully at the end of the buys, we can uh, hopefully both be top 100. Yeah, no doubt. And I feel like this is why we have actually fired Chizo because it's top, 100, top 200 or no good for the podcast, mate. <laughs> well, no, Chizo will come back soon, and hopefully uh, by the time he comes back, he'll also be right at the top. Yes, fingers crossed. Um, we're going to jump straight into the round recap, and although we spoke a little bit about the Geelong game on Friday, as it had already played when we had podcasted, we will go back through that nightmare of a game for Port fans, and it was headlined by the Danger 163. He looks back, Pistol. Yeah, he looks fantastic. I mean... They look so good when they played at Skilled Stadium. It's a shame they can't play there every single home game, but they've at least got a couple coming up, so I can expect Dangerfield and Sell to bang out some big scores um, in the near future. Yeah, they can't play there every single week, but three in a row won't do them too much harm. And it was Selwood in this one with 134 as well, so both the, uh, the Dangerwood combo getting up in this game, and if you have those players... With a great buy as well, they're just great assets to have and probably good assets to try and trade in at this point of the season as well. But it was Joel's brother, Scott, who seems to be catching the attention of most players. Um, 112 this week after a decent score last week of 102. Um, on our radar, Pistol. Yeah, he's definitely on our radar. Um, he's only priced at 281k. He's got a break-even of minus 48. So if he gets about an 80 um, this week, he'll rise just above 50k. So he'll make a, a quick buck as well. Um, he's got a round 12 buy, which is very promising. And he has two seasons in his history above 100 average. That was when he was playing at West Coast. When he was playing as a tagger, um, he did average uh, 103.7. So... He's been used in a similar role than he's playing at the moment, um, getting a lot of tackles. I think he had like seven games in double-digit tackles, um, playing as a tagger for West Coast, and average above 100. So hopefully he can still, maybe not average keeper numbers, but if he can average 100, um, he'll make a lot of money really quickly and just be great to have on your field during the buys. 
yeah, we'll talk a lot about him later because I've got a few questions I do need to ask about um, potentially keeping up that tackle count that he had on the weekend and the weekend before as well. But we will talk more in depth about that later on. Um, Ollie Wines and Robbie Gray return to form a little bit with decent 100-plus scores this week. But you have to scroll down the list a little bit to find Tom Stewart with a 91 pistol. Just great signs for those who have him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, most people were planning on ditching him after his buy. And right before the buy, a nice score so they can generate some extra cash, which people didn't expect, which might make those last couple of upgrades a little bit easier. Break-even is down to 18, so he's probably going to score a 40 or a 50 this week, but at least he's going to make another 10, 20, 30k even. So if he can get to the 300k mark, I'll call that a big win for Tom Stewart. Yeah, no doubt. Zach Tui with another 90 score. He is definitely engraving his credentials as a potential top 10, top 6 defender. Um, Jasper Pittard, who was a trading target for quite a few people, only 71 this week. Just didn't really get much of the pill. He only had nine touches, Pistol. Yeah, that's very low, um, Pittard. I think he, he pretty much fired in the second half, but his first half he was nowhere to be seen. Completely went missing. So um, I'm not sure he's going to be one of the best trading targets um, for the remainder of the season, even though he doesn't play. Uh, sorry, he plays all the way through the buyers. But uh, I guess he's one to watch if you're desperate for um, that cheap defender, maybe. But yeah, probably not on anybody's radar now. Yeah, I highly doubt that as well. Um, Sam Pepper only 55 for those who kept him. Um, and Cunico, who had a 49, we did mention this um, on the round um, preview last week, that he scored 49. He looks like a half-decent option, but that is just his first game, so not a bubble boy yet. Parsons, though, Pistol, um, 42, just absolutely killing it. <laughs> That's pretty much his ceiling at the moment. No, hopefully he can hold his spot. I just need to get pretty much one, maybe two more games out of him. Um, if he can play round 11 and round 13, then I'll be very happy I picked him. But if he gets drops before then, oi, oh boy, then, um, yeah, that's going to hurt a lot. Yeah, strife indeed. Um, on to the next game, and it was this bitter rivalry between Sydney and Hawthorne played down towards the bottom of the ladder this time. Um, and it was Hawthorne almost on the siren uh, with the Jared Roughhead goal that got them over the line. And that, that did net him a few points. We'll talk about him in a second. But JPK and Dan Hanabry, just a deadly midfield combo. And both are just looking like great upgrade targets for the uh, for the back end of the season this year. Yeah, JPK is at 545k. Hanabry is now up to 605k. Hannes has been incredibly good recently. He actually hasn't fallen below 100 since round 4. And that was when he got a 95. Um, and round three, he also got above 100. So pretty much since round two, he's been incredibly good. Um, he looks like a top-line premium at the moment. So if you don't have him, 605 is quite a lot, but I still think that's probably a fair price for Dan Hanbury. JPK, I'm feeling less confident about. He's getting a lot of the ball. His stats look great, but his scoring's not quite um, too high at the moment. He 118 was good from the weekend, but pre, in the previous week he did have 35 touches for a, a score of 102. So um, one to watch. He is cheap and he has going to have played his buy when you look at consider him for next week. So um, yeah, just keep an eye on those guys at the moment. Yeah, definitely one to watch, but he hasn't been as prolific as we um, would assume he would be. Franklin with 109 and was referenced as his most influential game as a player. So um, interesting that he didn't score more. He did have five goals. Is that concerning? Well, 
no. <laughs> Don't think it's that concerning. He did score 109, so maybe if you uh, talk him up and say it was the best game of his career, it might be concerning. But five goals, 109 points, that sounds good enough for Buddy at the SCG. I'll take that every day of the week. Yeah, no doubt. Hopefully, um, those five goals games, the, the games that he kicks bags in, um, we sort of rely on him to make up for those lower games. So, what I meant by is that bad? I meant more like should should we he be taking more advantage in scoring one thirty pluses in those particular games? But it's um, you're right, one hundred nine you take from a forward any day of the week. Tom Mitchell with one hundred and five, and I'm pretty sure he went in with more than that at three quarter time. So. Wasn't crazily influential in the last quarter, and even though they won, he wasn't subject to any scaling either. So, um, Mitchell owners will take the ton, but not a great uh, last ha- uh, last quarter. If you're looking to trade him in, he's obviously a bit inflated in price now, six twenty four, thanks to that huge score last week and the week before. But he just looks like Mr. Consistency himself. Yeah, he's averaging 117k, so a good option. I'm not sure I'd be willing to pay 625k though. If uh, you have noticed anyone that breaches the 650 mark this season has pretty much subsequently in rounds just after that fall into about like 560 um, K so it looks like Lockie Neal's on his way from doing that after his 55 this week and uh, Rory Sloan did that last week and Danger obviously also fell below that mark and Pendlebury so yeah anyone that's uh, getting up to a, a high price of well above 600 K they're going to fall at some stage um, so I'm not sure I'd be grabbing him at this price yeah, you can chuck Bontempelli on that list as well. He got to um, about 6.20 and then um, just plummeted down as well. Jared Ruffhead did kick that winning goal um, and ended up with 86 points, which is very good for owners who have still held on to him. Um, Newman, though, 72, not a keeper, Pistol. <laughs> well, I think we may have got our hopes up a little bit after those massive scores, thinking that he was going to be a keeper. It's possible. He's, he's more than likely going to be a lot of people's last upgrade, but I think if you desperately need the extra player this week, you might still be okay trading out Nick Newman and just banking the cash and using it to improve the rest of your team. Yeah, no doubt. Um, James Cousins on debut was very good. He's 102k mid, and he scored 67, so um, he looks like he's going to make a bunch of cash if he can hold his spot in the team, and that goes for Dallas Wilsmore as well. Only 26 um, points. Hopefully he can um, hold his spot. And then you look down the list and you see Jake Lloyd, four points. Um, If you don't own him, are you licking your lips, Pistol? Oh, 100%. If I didn't own him, I'd be so happy. He's got a break-even of 163. Given his incredibly consistent um, scoring, just pretty much peppering the 100 mark every single week um, above and below, he's probably going to drop another 30k. You can pick him up for about 440 um, after round 12. I, I would 100% get him in. Almost be a straight swap for someone like Andy Odden. He almost will be a straight swap for Nick Newman. So, um, yeah, definitely if you don't have Lloyd and you should jump on 100% when he when he bottoms out. Yeah, you don't have too much of an opportunist to, to see that massive, um, massive green light there. So... On to the next game, it was St. Kilda versus the Bulldogs, and the Bulldogs really got a hold of him in this one, making a statement. Kobe Stevens, though, in his return game, 103, he keeps on ticking over those um, those tons, which is great news for him. Jason Johannesson versus Dylan Robertson, I found interesting in this one, 90 and 89 respectively. Robertson, probably the better pick pistol. 
Yeah, it, it was interesting. I think they were both killing it at three-quarter time as well, and then both did nothing in the last quarter, so that was that was pretty amusing. Um, Robertson is a better pick, but he is 80k more expensive than JJ, so uh, depending on your budget, um, I th- still think JJ is going to be a good pick. He's still averaging 91, so definitely not bad, but then again, you look at Robertson's averaging 105, so... Um, Robertson's probably somebody I would bring in if I could afford him. If not, definitely uh, JJ is a great value pick. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Mitch Wallace has shown crazy scoring potential with a big score last week of 130 plus and now 89 this week. He's 3K more than Jack Steele, has the exact same mid-forward status. Is that the sort of trade you'd be looking for or is that just way too sideways for your liking? I think it's a bit hard to predict where Mitch Wallace will finish in those forwards. He's definitely got the potential to average 100. Um, my gut is telling me that he will outscore Jack Steele. It's also saying it's not worth doing a sideways trade of Steele to Wallace, but maybe Wallace as uh, a last forward upgrade. He's only 473k, breaking the 57. He would be incredibly good unique. He's only in uh, 2% of teams, so um, if you want to try and catch one on your rivals get one up on them, I think uh, Mitch Wallace could be the one to take you there. No doubt. Um, and then it was the game of the underperforming Bulldogs premium. So Bonson Pelly 88. No one knows what's going wrong with him. Jack McRae, 85. And Dowhouse, 78. So um, they're all very highly owned players, so it's not really going to burn you too much. But how concerning is this for um, the most of the owners out there? I'm not too concerned. Well earned break this uh, this week, and hopefully they'll be back to their best when they come out. And those that don't own any of those assets, I would be looking at jumping on them very, very soon. Yes, very wise words. Um, on to the next game. It was Melbourne versus Gold Coast, and I changed my tip from Gold Coast to Melbourne and was regretting it at uh, quarter time, but Melbourne did put Gold Coast away in this one. Um, Mitt, Michael Hibbard, 114 He's looked so sensational, it is crazy, and now he's looking like a very, very value pick pistol. Yeah, so he's got a three-round average of 112. I'll just read out his last three scores, 114, 110, 113. Um, That's incredibly good for a defender. I really thought he was going to be a trap. Um, In his third game, he did score 56, and we're like, all right, here we go, but... He's pretty much racking up high 20 disposals every single week. Um, No one's giving him any sort of attention, and I can't really see uh, that role changing whatsoever for for Michael Hebert. That's his preferred role. He's playing it well, and I think he's going to be a great upgrade option at only 472k. I think that's really good value. So maybe if you have a luxury trade up your sleeve, something like a... It would be a big call to trade out Heath Shaw if he keeps underperforming, but I guess if Heath Shaw is someone you want to kick out, won't cost you too much to get to a Michael Hibbert, but a value trade, I was going to say, uh, at 472k and Lloyd at, at probably 450k, you're going to get some budget defenders for real cheap soon, so they would be top of my uh, defender want list. Yeah, and they're all coming off the round 11 buy, which means they'll they'll obviously be playing in that round 13 where people seem to be a little short on um, defenders. So both just have huge ticks uh, next to their names in my book. Clayton Oliver, another score of 110 plus uh, with 112 in the end. He's on another level. And speaking of players that we weren't expected to go premium status this year, Jared Witts with a 98. Oh man, if you own these two players, they're untradeable at the moment. They're scoring so well and so consistently. Yeah, it's crazy that they both kept it up for such a long period of time. You kind of thought the fade was coming, but it hasn't. So yeah, just hold on to them while they're a good thing and see what happens. 
Yeah, no doubt. Tom Lynch with 88 in his return. His break-even is still relatively high, so he's going to drop some more cash. Um, you might, however, want to trade him in a bit early considering he plays all three um, buy rounds and does actually look like a good premium forward option. Jared Harbrow came crashing out to earth with his second score below 100 for the year with a 77. I think that's a little bit more of what we can expect from him. Maybe he'll probably push 80 plus more so than um, below 80, but I don't think we can expect 100 plus from every single week pistol. And then it was David Swallow in his return with a measly 69. If you've still got him pistol, what are your plans? <laughs> I still do have David Swallow. And um, <laughs> unfortunately, I think you just have to hold him. Um, unless, of course, you want to trade him the scooter. But um, he plays all throughout the buys. Maybe the last person to upgrade. And hopefully he, he can score a big score. I mean, he's capable. Um, he does have a break even now of just 38. So he's probably going to go up uh, quite a bit more, well, fingers crossed, and it would not hurt for him to pop out a 100-plus score this week, let me tell you. Yeah, no doubt at all for those who have kept him, um, brave people to, to have kept him. Um, Brody scored a, a lowly 32. We'll talk a lot about him later as a potential trading option. And having said that, we'll move on to the Richmond versus Essendon game. It was Richmond winning this one by 15, not losing on the siren for a change which will be music to the Richmond uh, supporters' ears, no doubt. Dustin Martin, 125. So he went big for the first three games, small for the next three games, and now has started going big again. Um, is this a pattern, or was he just having a low point for those three down games? This is just Dusty, um, basically. He's always going to be inconsistent. Um, if, I think he'll still average about 110. I'm not sure that's going to be in the top um, six Oh, sorry, top eight uh, midfielders, but it's going to be around that mark, maybe maybe top ten. If you need someone from the round 12 by, I think I would rather choose Selwood above Dustin Martin, but if you already have Selwood, um, I think Dusty's going to be a good option. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, Zach Merritt with a uncharacteristic sub-ton with just 87 in this one. Hurley looks like he's going to be a very consistent um, POD in defense with an 86. And Rance with just an 85. So there's about 40k separating those two players. Who would you go for at this stage of the season? I think you'd have to choose Rance um, just based on this buy. He's got the round 12 buy. He's has he has a five game average of 98. Nothing too dramatic. Nothing. No real big scores. Just very consistent around the ton mark. He started pretty average. Fell. Um, down quite a lot, but he's a kind price now, 494, and it's going to be right up there within the top six, top ten um, defenders. So I think uh, Rance is quite a safe option. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Nank only scored the 75, but um, that's really okay considering what most of our forwards are putting out. Um, just inconsistency. Stewart, if you traded him in, got 50, but he was able to jump up quite a bit of cash. So. Um, looking like he'll be a decent cash cow if he holds his spot. Hopefully he can pump out another 80-plus like he did in week one. Um, Myers with just the 45. Um, likely to hold his spot pistol? Ooh, um, Essen supporters seem to say that he's a definite uh, hold in their squad, but I don't know. It's pretty tough watching him play, and you've got some other players that Essendon love for some reason to select, like uh, Howlett, as we've mentioned before, who had 35 touches in the VFL. Um, I'm not sure if he is or isn't. I hope he is. Otherwise, people are going to hurt during the buys. But at the moment, he's not putting out particularly great numbers for a cash cow, but we'll take what we can get at this stage. 
Yeah, no doubt. We did expect a lot more from him. Um, Shy Bolton was decent enough. We'll talk a lot about him later on because he's on the bubble this week. And now we'll move on to the 100-point win from uh, by the Crows over Fremantle in the pouring rain. Have you seen anything like that weather pistol? Um, yes, I have, actually. Um, <laughs> I think there was a... What was it GWS Swans game? Was it or was it GWS Hawthorne? I think it was you're, where they. You're it, telling the story. It was an electrical storm, and uh, they had to delay the players coming back out because they were worried um, about um, thunder, basically hitting the striking the stadium. But it was torrential rain then. It was uh, torrential rain now. Yeah, I honestly struggled to even see the ball in that one, but that didn't deter Rory Sloan, who was able to pump out. A stupid 177 with two goals one, which is uh, crazily accurate for such a wet game. 13 tackles, which, I mean, the wet weather sort of suits his game his game style, doesn't it, Pistol? Oh, 100%. He absolutely loves it. Yeah, and that also explains Matt Crouch's 123, who just loves the, the tackling and the nitty-gritty. Um, Andy Ott was able to pump out a 121 as a tall forward, which is strange. He had four goals. Um, it, it's like looking at these scoring sheets, almost like it didn't rain. Um, and then some other players of note, Rory Laird did pump out um, 27 disposals, but just an 89. Mr. Consistency has had a little chink in his armour. <laughs> a little bit, but he'll bounce back, no doubt. Yeah, I don't doubt that one bit. But Nat Fife pistol, not bouncing back. 78 from 25 disposals. Six tackles. It all looks okay. He scored a goal as well. But 78, he's just not scoring tons. He's, I'm not actually quite sure what's going on with him, but he's he's just not scoring tons, Pistol. He did have a AFL record 13 clangers in this match, um, aided by six frees against, which is huge. That did contribute to a loss of 65 points. So he could have gone massive had he got no clangers. Obviously, he was going to get some. Um... I'm a bit concerned, given 78 is a very poor score, and he hasn't been scoring well. We've been saying it week after week. I think it's a luxury trade at this stage if you do want to get rid of Fife. Um, I don't think he's going to be a top 10 midfielder, but I also wouldn't be surprised to see him um, score a couple more 110s in the near future. Yeah, no doubt. As you said earlier, Lockie Neal just a 55. So those who traded him in as a PRD, um, very disappointed, but I dare say he'll bounce back at Domain Stadium next week. And then Hugh Greenwood, we'll talk a lot about later, scored a 72, which was really impressive um, for his second game. It wasn't quite the ton that we saw in the first, um, but nevertheless, still a very good score that will keep his price ticking. Um, Do you want to quickly run us through this Collingwood-Brisbane game, Pistol? Yeah, sure thing, JB. Did you uh, manage to take a look at this game, though? Did you watch any of it? I did. I watched the whole thing, and I I loved every second of Trelaw. (laughs) I was going to jump into that, but you beat me to that segue. Trelaw (laughs) dominated uh, with 141 points. Uh, Some are shouting return to form. Um, It may have been a little bit of an easy opponent. He did score above 170 against uh, Brisbane (laughs) last year. Um, But moving on from that, uh, Pendlebury did score a solid 130, which you can uh, kind of expect on Pendles. Um, Sidebottom, who we did mention as a really cheap, he was got down to 428k, has now put in back-to-back tons. Um, he's still priced at 452, not that it was, I mean, his buys coming up is probably not a good pick now, but he would have been two weeks ago. Taylor Adams, um, the real Mr. Consistency, since you've thrown that word around too much already on this podcast, um, 
didn't get above 110 for the second time this season. He actually got 109 JB, so he's gone and ruined it. Um, his break even is 111, so I'm not sure he's going to be able to reach that next week. <laughs> um, but he will get 110. He will get 110, just the 111 mark I'm not too sure about. On the uh, Brisbane side, it was Zorko and Beams, and then Daylight JB. Zorko with a 130, Beams with a 127. Next highest scorer was Jake Barrett on uh, 77. That's just incredible. Yeah, insane stuff. Jake Barrett was actually the 16th highest scorer in the game. So there was 13 Collingwood players between um, Zorko, Beams, and Barrett. So insanity. Yeah, I think uh, that pretty much covers... Oh, well, I should say... Didn't even, I had to scroll so far down and nearly missed uh, Steph Martin, actually. He only scored 62, which he was very clearly hampered by the return of Archie Smith. Um, I'm not sure if they'll continue that. Maybe they played Steph Martin because he was tiring and now he's got the rest and maybe they'll drop Archie Smith. Or maybe they just want to develop some youth, and in which case Steph Martin owners would be very, very nervous right now. Yeah, or maybe they just hate Supercoach, so that's definitely an option as well. Um, Scharenberg was good in that one with a um, 60-plus score. And on to the North Melbourne versus Carlton game. Um, this one was pretty much the Doherty and Higgins show, mate. Yes, Joey, you would have been thrilled knowing <laughs> that Higgins scored above 120. I think you were frothing all game. Um, but Doherty did outscore him with a 124, so let's uh, not skimp over that. He was phenomenal, and I just love having Doherty in the back line, someone that you can count on. Um, some would say uh, Mr. Consistent, would they Would they not, JB? <laughs> well, I might say that because I say it about everyone, but yeah, no, he's been very consistent. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to hear you say it. <laughs> uh, moving on past Mr. Consistent is uh, Todd Goldstein with just an 89, so rucking solo, but Cruiser gave him a toweling. Mark Murphy, 83, so definitely down on his um, early season form. Marchbake just to 70. We'll talk about um, him being a trade option very, very soon. Jared Waite, the man that averages 150, has now gone down to uh, 63 points this week, Pistol. <laughs> yeah, no, always uh, fool's gold there. It was was a massive trap. His break-even is now 203, so he's going to drop a lot of money this week. Oh, so we can get him in in a couple of weeks and he'll make us money. <laughs> it'll be a different value. <laughs> Ed Vickers-Willis with just the 50 in that one, and a couple of the Carlton rookie boys scoring very, very low. On to the final game of the round. It was GWS versus West Coast, and if you weren't already frustrated enough with tipping, GWS took this one away. Um, Jeremy McGovern, 126. He keeps um, he keeps performing as an under-the-radar defender. Yeah, he's very inconsistent, but he is averaging 89, so he's up there. He's pretty cheap at 432k. I don't think I would touch him, but great one for draft leagues. No doubt at all. Um, Shane Mumford continuing his form with 115. Toby Green back with 112. Um, Zach Williams stealing points off Heath Shaw, as he did last week as well, with 109. Um, those those defenders are literally just taking it in turns on being premiums. Callum Ward bounced back to form with 107 as Josh Kelly showed he was um, he's becoming a premium def- uh, midfielder each week with 107. Elliot Yo 104, which is exactly what we want to see from him at Domain Stadium. Maybe those 110 pluses would be preferred. And then it was a little bit of daylight between the next relevant player, and that is. I mean, Matt Prittis, um, Pistol, we haven't spoken a lot about him this year. 
He's 508k, put it at an 81. What's happening with Prittis? Because he usually has massive downspurts, but not an average of 98 for the year. Is this the Sam Mitchell effect? I think it is the Sam Mitchell effect, as well as his age. He's uh, getting getting on there. Um, I think he's pretty much just passed as a super coach uh, relevant option. Um, I'd love to be proven wrong, but uh, I don't think uh, I'm going to be. Yeah, it's been a rapid decline, as has Heath Shaw's um, super coach relevance. 76 from him, and it looks like we might be looking at our luxury trade bank in the coming weeks because he's just been, he's gone from awful to even more awful. And then Carpany on his debut with a 49, but the main talking point in this one is Josh J. Kennedy, um, out for a few weeks. We'll talk a lot about that later. We're going to jump into the rookies first, and if you didn't get Greenwood last week, do you need to look at any other rookie this week, Pistol? No, if you don't have Greenwood, uh, that is Hugh Greenwood, I should say. Please don't go and train in Levi Greenwood from Collingwood. <laughs> um, no, get Hugh Greenwood. Um, very cheap. He's only 123k. Uh, forward mid, DPP, has around 13 by as a forward, which is fantastic. And he scored really well in his two games with 104 and 72. So it's going to make you lots and lots of money. Um I don't really think I need to sell it too much. Basically, if you don't have Hugh Greenwood, get in Hugh Greenwood this week pretty much at all costs. No doubt. If you're making two downgrades and don't fancy Scott Selwood, um, Perryman versus Bolton. Um, purely looking at break-even, Bolton's better, but does Perryman have the better job security and or position? That's a tough one. Um, I can't say I'm a fan of either option. I should say uh, Shy Bolton has had a nine-possession game, followed by a near-identical eight-possession game. He did score 67 Supercoach from nine possessions in the first game. Um, Not entirely sure how, given... I know he got scaled up a lot from his goal. Then it got taken away because it was touched, but it seemed to have still scored pretty high. Um, He did score a 43 um, with basically the same possession tally and stat tally in his second game. I think his ceiling is pretty much going to be... the same as Jimmy Parsons, so I'm not sure you're going to want both of them in, in your forward line. Perriman doesn't seem much better, to be honest, um, also in that scoring range, but I think he's going to have a little bit better job security than Shai Bolton does. So if I had to pick, I would pick Perriman, but if based on buys, you probably want around 12 buy player, so <laughs> Bolton. <laughs> you couldn't have been more on the fence, and that means we might have to look at the players that have only played one game. So... Of the players that have just played their first game this week, who would you be most inclined to break the golden rule for? Um, Mostly considering job security, especially at this time of the season, but also slightly considering uh, scoring potential, considering they're going to be on your field for the next few weeks um, over the buys. I think the main options that people are now looking at, Cousins considering his price and his decent score in the first week, Scharenberg's a big one, and even Will Brody, considering just his pure body type and um, the fact that those players, especially even from their first year, if you look at Ollie Wines and Pow Pepper, um, just tend to score decently. Also, uh, Will Brody doesn't have to miss any games uh, through the buys because he's going to play all of them, except I think he's going to get dropped this week. Um, Rocket did say there's going to be seven changes, so I think we won't be seeing much more of Will Brody, which does leave us with Scharenberg is probably the best uh, rookie option behind Greenwood. Um, I'd say his job security seems pretty tight, at least until Collingwood's buy-in. You can reassess then because Ben Reid will, will be back, as will um, some others. 
He did score 65, so his scoring potential is okay. Um, he is priced at 164000 in the back line. I would definitely get him above Perryman if I had to choose between them. Um, Cousins, I would be a bit more skeptical jumping on early because um, Hawthorne, it only takes one bad game and you're out of that side. He did play well, so I'd love to watch him again this week and hopefully he scores well because 102k rookies fly up in price, especially when they score above 60. Yeah, no doubt. Um, just a few more options that just played their uh, their first game on the weekend. Cunico's another one. I don't think his job security is completely there. As with Carpenter and Willsmore, can any of them be trusted and even considered in the same light as the Sharonbergs in the Greenwoods in the Boltons even? Oh, it would be uh, tough to take a, a Willsmore knowing he scored very poorly um, and didn't have a great game. Uh, same, I guess, can be said about the others, to, to be fair. Um I don't think any should be strongly considered, um, but I guess we'll wait and see what to the team names this week throw up. Yeah, no doubt. Um, now, going to the outs, the most traded out rookie this week, Pistol, I'm not sure if you'd be able to guess it, but it's Barrett from Brisbane. He's only got an 11 break even. Would you be advising people to do this move, knowing that it's his buy this week, but he can also make quite a bit of money? I think it's heavily dependent on your buy structure. If you're okay with the round um, 13 buy, then I don't think it matters if you have Barrett or not. Um, I know he is going to make a bit more money. I think if people just want to jump on Scott Selwood, so what they're doing is just trading Barrett to, to um, Scott Selwood. Uh, if you are going to struggle for the round 13 buy, I would strongly, strongly recommend holding on to Barrett because at least he's going to score pretty well. He's going to make money. And he's going to play. So that's a, a big tick um, for those that are going to struggle in the round 13 bye. Yeah, no doubt. Um, another one that I'd like to talk about is Sam Pepper. A lot of people jumping off him this week. Um, would you take a couple of slight potential um, price drops just to hold him through the buys and know that you, you're probably going to get a 60-plus score? His break-even is only 59 this week, but there's always that potential he drops a little bit. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I I think I would still hold. If I held SPP this whole time, I think I would hold him. I guess uh, it's probably the same situation as before where they're just trading him straight to Scooter, um, Scott Selwood. That's, I think, driving the driving factor of most of these trades. And I would say I would get Scooter. I think, uh, personally, I would do those trades. Um, but each to their own. I mean, it very well could be a, another mid-price trap. But I fell for the other one, so I'm probably going to fall for this one too. And a lot of them have worked out this year, so maybe it is the year to go for these mid-price traps. Now, Marchbank um, did put together another um, lowly score in his break-evens up to 83. I think it's definitely time to cash out on him for his buy. As goes for the obvious ones, a lot of people trading out Eddie, Pickett, Hampton, and Balik. I don't think we'll be seeing any of them for um, a lot of weeks, Pistol. Potentially Eddie um, in the, maybe in the next fortnight, but the other three just look gone. Yeah, exactly. This is the time when you've got the three trades. If you have some spare trades, I mean, you're not going to keep them until next year if you're going to want to score well during the buy because it's the easiest time to move up the ranks. So um, you can clear out some of your uh, worst rookies that aren't playing or getting any games, and maybe you can get some rookies that are playing. I wouldn't be jumping on every single rookie. Um, personally, if, if you're finding yourself just trading, for example, a picket to a shy Bolton, I would maybe think again, because even if he does play, um, he's probably only going to net you 
possibly sub 40 points and he might not even play in round 13 after their buy. So um, I would reconsider that one. But um, other than that, if there is some rookies like Scharenberg that you want to jump on and a Greenwood, um, I would I'd probably look at doing that this week if you've got the extra trade. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I think that sums up our rookie section, Pistol. Um, we'll jump into a little bit of an analysis of someone that we don't consider a rookie, uh, especially considering he's averaged over 100 in previous years. But he's priced very, very closely to them. Um, he's got the potential to make as much cash as a rookie uh, with his scoring potential, but he obviously comes at a greater risk. Now, not even talking about uh, potential to score, is Scott Selwood trustworthy to stay on the park pistol? <laughs> Well, you never know with injuries. You can't really predict them. Is he going to last? Is he not going to last? Who knows? I can't really answer that. I'm not a uh, mime reader or fortune teller. Um, but I think personally that it is a risk worth taking. As I said, his break even's really low. If he scores a 60, he's going to make 50K. Um, at this stage, unless you have a fully premium midfield, you can afford to play Scott Selwood on the field, especially during the buys. Um, I'm not expecting 100 every week, even if he scores 85-plus um, in rounds uh, 11 and round 13. You know, that's that's a great score. And he's probably going to be a straight swap to a fallen primo at the end of the buys, um, maybe round 15 instead. So he's someone I would heavily consider, especially because I think he's going to make more money than the shy Boltons of the world or the Perrymans of the world, in which case you may as well get someone on the field that's going to score a bit better during the buys. Um, but then again... This, there has been traps. Diego and Mira Swallow haven't been amazing for those that have gotten him, but I feel more comfortable um, picking somebody that is getting 17 tackles a game because they're earning their own points and not relying on anybody. And obviously, he's not going to keep up 17 tackles, but he's playing as a tagging role and he's scored really well in the past, 104 average playing a tagging role. So this isn't unfamiliar. Last time he, he played that tagging role um, for West Coast, he had seven games in double digits of tackles um, from his 20. So it's not even unlikely, I guess, that he can keep up a very high average just based on tackles. I think you've, um, I think you've convinced yourself, that's for sure. You've, you've convinced me as well. He just seems like a low, low risk pick, especially over the buys. Um, some people are saying using a trade to get to him and then having to use another trade to get him out to a premium is not worth it. But considering the amount of money that he's going to make, it's more about the cash. It's more about him getting so close to a premium that you won't have to trade two players to get to that premium. You're just doing it early. So all the while, while he has one of the probably the best buy that you can have unless you're trading in Port or Gold Coast players and he's scoring so well that he's, he's going to make a decent spot on your team. So... Um, I, I do think he's a really, really lucrative offer, and he's probably come to us at the most tempting time, which which it sucks, but he's good as well, especially if he's successful. So we'll move past Selwood. I, th I think he's a great option to summarize. On to JJK. So he's out for three weeks. We know calf injuries can potentially take a little bit longer. As a Josh Kennedy owner, would you be worried that this could be three pluses in four or five or even more? Or would you be banking on the fact that it's going to be three? It's only during the buy, so it won't make too much of a difference anyway and potentially just holding him. I think it matters what your priorities are. If you are in leagues, it might be worthwhile just holding him through the buys anyway. Um, most people are going to struggle throughout the buys and you'll probably win one of the two anyway and it's only just one player and he'll be back, as you said, in three weeks. For overall, it makes it a bit harder unless you're 
very well prepared for the buys and and do have you know 18 or 19 every single week um then i would consider keeping him i very much would he's a top six forward at this stage so the only way I would trade him is if you're going to cop a donut in round 11 or round 13 or both um, without him playing, in which case it's not worth holding him for to the sake of two donuts. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think it's very situational, um, situationally based. So um, those league players definitely have a lot more freedom to hold their injured players. But ranking is a dog-eat-dog world, and if you don't trade out your premiums that are missing too many weeks and you cop bad scores in the meantime, you'll just see yourself plummet down the ranks very, very quickly. Um, and but, uh, on that, on plummeting down the ranks or even rising down the ranks, during the buys, it's a very important period. Um, obviously, people are advised not to trade in round 11 players, but where would you be focusing your trades on? Um, are we going two down, one up this week, Pistol? one down, one up, sticking to the just two trades, or um, how are we preparing ourselves best for the um, the buyers, just in general? Well, in general, I'll first start with saying if you have um, JJK, it might be a bit different, especially knowing that a lot of the round 11 forwards are the better options. Um, if you are going to have to trade this week, you know, you're kind of forced to look at the Yo, um, the Higgins, sorry, JB, um, oh. or... I can't even think of a round 13 by a player. Toby Green, off the top of my head. There we go. Um, so your options are very limited um, in that case. For the buys, I would suggest um, at least opening up or getting a pen out and writing down what trades and how many um, players you're going to have through each week. I find it easier personally to have some money in the bank going into the second week of the buy so that you can upgrade um, during the buys so for example um, I think at this stage I might be getting rid of Newman um, to let's say Scharenberg I'm not sure yet um, to free up you know 250 350k whatever was in my bank at the time and then next week I'll be able to trade um, some round 13 players that I have some rookies let's say um, an Andy Otten or a Ash McGrath and, and trade them to round 11 primos um, I think that's the easiest way to navigate. You can sideways trade if you do have the trade. Some people um, have, you know, 16 trades at the end of this week, JB, in which case they're probably going to get to a full team quite easily. And if you have the heaters and you have the fifes and you're going to struggle in round 13, I wouldn't be against trading, you know, a fife to a bont, for example, at the conclusion of round um, 11 or um, even a heater up to somebody like a Hibbard um, for, for very cheap. Um, I think the general strategy is if you're upgrading this week, you're obviously going to be upgrading to somebody in around 13, around 12. But um, personally, I like to create some money and allow myself to upgrade throughout the buys. Yeah, I think it's a very good strategy. And just as you said at the start, write down your team and it, it will take you a whole of two seconds. I find it really interesting mapping out my trades. Um, looking at the prices of the players and just seeing what my what my cash cows will have to score to make the trades possible, if you know what I mean. So um, some some trades are obviously reliant on players going up or down um, with their break evens, but I, I find it very interesting to just map out my team, find out what trades I'm doing one week, maybe even map out your trades next week or just a, a base basis of what you're going to do, um, like where you're going to trade, maybe Newman to just a premium, like you don't have to name names or anything. But just see what you're going to have going into the next couple of rounds and um, just make sure you're all set, um, especially those going for rankings. Leagues, it's not a huge difference. Um, you can just sort of look at your 
your opposition team and see how well they've prepared. You might be able to hold trades um, or just go solely on, onto downgrades and make a war chest like you just suggested. But um, just, yeah, prepare yourself as best you can by looking at your team, mapping it out, seeing what you're going to do and, um, and just really thinking it through because it's a tedious time to make or break time in rankings and coming out of the buyer's pistol, there's not a whole lot of ups or downs left in the rankings. Yeah, and so just some advice for you, JB. I would uh, carefully map out and write down my uh, vice captain and captains so you don't have a recap of last week. I should say that you can use the loophole, sorry, you can use the um, players that have a buy as loophole options this week. They will lock out at the first bounce of the final game of the round, so you can use them for your emergency loophole if you have players on the bench, and you can use them as your captaincy loophole. I kind of mentioned last week that Higgins was a good trading option, so I'm going to take it all. My whole week is a win, even though I missed Dangerfield. I think it's a, a good win for me. And Trelaw bounce back, so um, I feel like even though Dangerfield tried to knock me down, uh, I came out a winner pistol. Well, at least someone thinks you're a winner. <laughs> 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 so so brutally honest to me. Um, <laughs> I think we have some more donations into the Cancer Council. Let's speak about some positivity now, Pistol. <laughs> I know we did have uh, some donations. Um, we do have an interesting uh, donation. It comes with a question that will be answered on the Thursday podcast. Um, the quote is uh, Bastanak, Bastanak. So um, I wonder what their question is going to be, and I'm looking forward to answering it on the Thursday podcast. Um, there is a message here from Jack the Giant Slayer. That's what he called himself. It says Zach Jones tax again from Jack, but he did get one to say that he flogged Pistol this week, so he's not even mad. <laughs> um, that is in relation to our league game where he he did flog me. He he scored two three nine five. So. He had a big victory. I'm not sure I would have got the win even with Lloyd. So uh, well played to Jack. It's nice on you to get your first win of the season. <laughs> oh, geez, this is um. I'm gonna I'm gonna refer him to the podcast. He's gonna listen. I don't think he's gonna be happy with that remark, Pistol. Um, were you the second highest scorer in the league? <laughs> I think I was as well. So um, <laughs> a bit of uh, unluckiness there. Bittersweet. Um, well, it's great to see Jack continuing to donate to the Cancer Council, whether it's uh, forced or unforced. Um, And that'll pretty much sign us off this week, Pistol. Do you have any last words of wisdom to give the community? (laughs) Uh, Pretty much just make sure you plan out your trades throughout the buys because uh, a lot can go wrong if you haven't had any sort of foresight. Um, Especially now, people might realize that they only have 15 uh, 15 players this week. Um, this is the best way to make up ground. So if you are languishing out at you know the 50k mark or so, um, I think it was last was it last year? Um, no, it wasn't last. Yeah, it was last year. Um, I had the unfortunate uh, injuries to start the year. I had one injury for the first seven weeks straight. Um, so I was pretty much down and out for the count and coming, I think it was 55k at the beginning of the buys and just planning ahead through the buys and it ends up coming out um, just inside the top 10k. So you can definitely make up massive ground throughout the buys as long as you plan for them. 55k, jeez. <laughs> that ju- that's, that's not injuries, that, that just shows your super coach ability pistol, let's not beat around the bush. Um, and that'll do us for the week. Thank you for those last words of wisdom. I'm not sure people will listen after you just quoted that you were ranked 50K last year. It's insanity. 
Um, you can find us on the Facebook. Make sure you chuck a comment in the comment section commenting on, on just what Pistol mentioned then. 55k. <laughs> you um, don't have to mention it all the time. I mean, come on, man. 55k. Make sure you look for us on the iTunes. We were able to fix that last week. Um, we're now we're on Android as well. I wasn't, I wasn't even aware of that, but someone commented that we are on Android as well. Um, and SoundCloud, of course, which is our main, um, our main stop. Make sure you leave comments everywhere and um, <laughs> tell us how we went for the week. And I will talk to you again Thursday to be uploaded Friday, Pistol. This is getting a bit much, mate. Yeah, unfortunately, the Thursday night games are having an adverse effect on us. But uh, Port Adelaide do play again on Thursday night, so we'll have to do another late podcast. Yeah, I mean, I mean, me podcasting with you was getting a bit too much. Oh, well, hopefully Chizo returns soon from his holiday. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you, community.